Everything is fueled from me wanting to be a better person on Earth. It's time to do your part. I don't want you to dream. I want you to do it. Tap into the conversation. Check one, two. As we cover the latest issues affecting our communities and the world. It is absolutely vital that the truth comes out. Resolve your unconscious bias and grow from first-hand experiences. Is your mind truly free or is it caged? This is Do Your Part with Brian Gallo. Welcome back, everybody. In Cathedral City yet again, joined with Michael Quinichet. Did I say that right? <laughs> you got it right. Yep. Michael Quinichet. What an interesting last name. Uh, and we're going to learn about him. I don't know too much about you. I'm glad you are here. I'm glad you're here as well. Uh, we are just about six feet apart as far as COVID. We're playing a little trickery with the camera. But um, yeah, we want to stay safe uh, So and give the viewers some peace of mind. You're laughing, but it's, it's important, right? No, no, I get it. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. super important. Right. You know, it's. I think for everybody, this experience has been very obviously weird and different. But for me, you know, everybody has their own level of comfort. So for me, if you don't seem sick um, and I can kind of gauge you, you know, then I'm cool. But everybody's different. Well, I was going to say, I think most people are just like you. So uh -huh. for me, I actually, because of my job, I get tested every week. Uh -huh. I actually just got tested today. So I get tested every seven days just because that's just what I do. I'm up close and personal with people. Yeah. You know, I'm, you know, I. I'm a massage therapist. So uh -huh. for me, I have to make sure that I, uh, it's really for my and for their peace of mind, knowing that I'm taking care of myself, uh -huh. which helps them to relax a little bit. More. Gotcha. All right. So I sailed in this kind of, uh, you know, unconventionally as I always do, but um, I met this gentleman just recently. We did this kind of Zoom uh, wellness summit together. You were one of the guests and uh, I found you intriguing. So here you are and I'm glad you're here and you're new to the Valley. I want you to talk a bit about, um, you know, the importance of this conversation because you said you're a podcast guy you love listening to these conversations hey you're here but i'm changing up the kind of my, my question style talk about the importance of these conversations well i think that um <clears throat> are you talking about in reference to like like being black or like COVID 19 or what what specifically pick one pick okay. them both so, yeah dialogue in general why well, you know I, I mean well i think well i think it's interesting even more so nowadays because in 2020 we are separated from our friends from our family and so you know zoom and skype have been these platforms of people who are maybe technologically challenged or trying to figure out how to work them because we're trying to learn how to you know Pivots. keep our friendships and keep our, our families intact, you know? Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of people having a lot of mental health issues. So mm -hmm. I think that um, communication overall in 2020 is, is super important in terms of trying to figure out how, in terms of your feelings, how, mm -hmm. how what, what makes you feel like you're connected to people. Mm -hmm. Some people, you know, don't like to talk on the phone. I remember the days when like, that's what, that's all we had, right? Before texting, before all that kind of stuff. And so I actually prefer listening to people. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine just the, the Zoom calls for me are a little intense. It's a little eye intensive. My brain starts hurting, mm -hmm. but I can just like sit on the chair and listen to you. That helps me feel more connected to you. Mm -hmm. So I think people are trying to figure out how to stay connected to their friends and their family mm -hmm. during this time. Yeah. And you think that the dialogue is happening. Let's use politics, for instance. And I always try to steer away from talking too much about politics, right. but it seems like the dialogue is happening. People are talking. There is conversation happening, just generally speaking, right? 
Yeah. 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 I think so. What's happening now is that um, it's it's interesting pandemic because we are so separated from each other and we have to stay six feet away. Mm -hmm. And and not only that, there's the visual component, you know, everyone wearing these face coverings. You Mm -hmm. can't really see someone's facial expressions. And I think dialogue is really more important now than ever, because people, especially since you can't see someone's face, especially when you are, um, you know, crossing them you know by on the street or whatever mm-hmm. since you can't see someone's facial expressions verbally using your words i think is really more important now because uh, people want to know how you feel yeah and so there's a lot of non-verbal communication that's that's being tossed to the wayside because you can't see someone's face that's interesting yeah you know again i think that there's going to be several examples of how uh, all of these the unknowns are rising up to the top as far as us having to just learn how to live in a new life with COVID. it's very interesting so again a little unconventional we're trying things a little different i do want to hear about your backstory um we're losing the headphones this is all very new for me viewers and, and obviously not listeners because you can't see us but viewers know i'm used to having these things on my head so uh thank you to you for giving me a nice tip and trying something new but when i when i I met you on this Zoom Wellness Summit. Um, you know, you spoke for maybe t- two minutes max, and I was like, "Dude, this guy has a very interesting story." So I really want you to, um, as always, give us some detail about you know your upbringing, where you're from, and then kind of lead into how you got here today. Okay. Yeah. So for me, I am originally from, born and raised in Columbus, Ohio. Go Bucks! And you say so that every time I do because I mean, <laughs> in, so in Columbus, Ohio, the one of the um, most uh, so Ohio State University is probably the employer that employs the most amount of people. Mm-hmm. And so outside of like nationwide insurance. So the Ohio State Buckeyes, specifically the football team, is just it's just what you you grow up. You, you associate know, you, with you. Yeah, yeah, it's like I had I have had two um, relatives that have played that have been running backs for the team they both gone on to nfl oh so yeah so for me and i I played high school football so for me college football is like in Mm -hmm. my blood big 10 football that's my thing so um so yeah so i grew up in columbus ohio and um for about i was lived there for about 38 years of my life and then i moved out here to california specifically in auburn which is a small little town north of sacramento i moved Mm -hmm. there in september of 2018 with my ex and that's where he was originally from so that was really my first major introduction to california and uh during covid just this past april was when i decided that i i needed a change in my life and so i um didn't eventually move down here to palm springs until august Mm -hmm. but since you know you know uh, st patrick's day when Mm -hmm. we were all not doing anything yeah. i had to kind of add plenty of time to walk into sierra foothills I had time myself thinking about what i wanted in my life and i just knew i wanted um kind of more peace and freedom and i felt like palm springs is a city that i had visited off and on since mm-hmm. i lived in auburn and i love the sunshine i love that it's super gay mm-hmm. it's there's a lot of great things here and they need more black people mm-hmm. so i'm here to represent Listen, so and here i am y'all see how you fast forwarded through that so i'm gonna I, i'm gonna take you back right do it let's okay do it. now listen i'm gonna ask you again i want really details about your backstory about growing up okay. in columbus because one of the things that okay. you said to me during that meeting it wasn't to me it was to the group i'm sorry i shouldn't be touching him but I'm like, <laughs> i love this guy already is you know you talked about how you were kind of um you had to kind of weave in and out of the closet and there was a lot of stuff going on um as far as yeah. you, so i don't want this to be based solely on your sexuality or solely right. on your coming out process right. but i want to hear about because okay. i'm a california native so right, right. my coming out story is was is kind of was really easy 
in, 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 okay. in, in retrospect, right? Okay. So I want to hear if you're comfortable. No, let's do it. Tell yes. me, and I want to hear about like your siblings, all that stuff. Yeah. Tell okay. Me. Okay. So I, okay. So I'm an only child. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. And so yeah, I'm an only child and uh, my mom actually had me, uh, I, from what I've been told, she was a virgin. Her very first time having sex, she was 14 years old. Um, wow. And so, yeah. So um, it was classic, at least from my, what my dad told me, underneath the bleachers, high school, football stadium. I was like, There's, yeah. I, mean, he's, I think he's lying. I think he's lying to me, but that's what he told me. Why Why lie? I know, I, but it sounds, it just sounds so it after sounds too, school it sounds special. Too right. It's, too <laughs> <laughs> it's a little too summer loving, like, yeah. really? <laughs> so, um, just a virgin mother. Like, right. oh, I'm gonna hashtag that. <laughs> All right, go ahead. So, um, and then, um, and so a little bit about my mom. So she actually died. She died when she was only 27. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. I was only, I was 12. She died on Valentine's oh, Day of 1991. Yeah. Yeah. She died. Interestingly, thinking about COVID-19, she actually died of a rare heart condition called myocarditis. And so myocarditis is like an inflammation of a heart wall, okay. which is one of the things that happens with some COVID-19 patients. Um, and so, uh, and so it's really interesting to hear about this pandemic and hearing yeah. that word over and over again. It kind yeah. of brought back flashes to, you know. I can only like, imagine. Yeah, yeah. Did, so that was really weird. Did, you, did Before she passed away, did you have notice? Was this something that was kind of ongoing or did she, did she pass away suddenly? It was sudden. Wow, so dude. now the week before she had been laying on the sofa uh -huh. and just been, uh, you know, I didn't know. I was 12 years old. So I just assumed that she had like a... a stomach ache or a head cold or something but it, there she had taken off like three or four days of work and so i just thought she had some sort of cold or something yeah. but you know i went to but that day valentine's day um i went to school and i remember specifically because uh and we had to uh, take shoe boxes and like make little cutesy little valentine things out of them and then we hoped that people during school would drop a load of valentines in there so i remember i didn't get any that day <laughs> so i remember coming home already being sad that i didn't get any valentines for all my little miller school friends and then my mom wasn't there and mm -hmm. then my grandmother who we also lived with came in and said that my mom died so it was like i went to school she was alive and came home she was dead it was absolutely devastating i don't think i went to school for like maybe a month or so after that because yeah. i just didn't know how to process like my best friend she was my best friend you know i didn't have any other siblings she was the only person who i could confide in i felt like you know she would have been more than happy with me being gay i mean i just know she would have been my biggest ally and even you know wherever she is in the universe i know she is so yeah pretty intense story but yeah yeah valentine's day so every so every mm. valentine's day it's i think about that type how could of you love. not how could you not? Yeah. Um, and I'll also say, even coincidentally, she was born on September 11th of 1964. So it's also really weird to think. All these all these keywords and key days and red flags. and Yeah. So things. so September 11th, of course, you know, there was a national tragedy. But for me, it's, you know, there's a remembrance of my mom being born. So, so it's, is that bittersweet? It's weird. It's kind of like, uh, you know, I was in Ohio during the... Um, during 9-11. So for me, I don't have as much of emotional impact as those who live like on the East Coast or yeah. those who had friends or family. So it's always a little, it always feels a little weird. Mm -hmm. September 11th feels a little weird. So yeah. Um, and I know you're an open book. I know you said I, right. I can get deep with you and I, right. I'm already again, very grateful uh, for all of my guests, but for you for being so vulnerable and so open. Um, did, did you come to peace with your mom's passing? Have you done the work? 
I had to. I feel like I. So I didn't see what I should have done. Um, but I think also in the black community, there's not a lot of emphasis on counseling and uh -huh. therapy. Yep. I didn't do any of that with my mom. Um, so I really kind of had to figure it out. Yeah. So honestly, I don't know. Okay. I don't have any. There aren't any strong kind of emotional pulls mm -hmm. every. Every time Valentine's Day come, comes along, I don't find myself sobbing or trying to shy away from feelings. It's just kind of an acknowledgement and then I move on. Mm -hmm. um, and it did happen so long ago. Mm -hmm. um, I don't I don't know if I've processed it. That's a really good question. Yeah. I, I lost my mom at 24, so I was twice oh, wow. the age you were. Okay. Um, sudden, right? I dropped her off for outpatient surgery and then she ended up dying the next day. Um, but my point is, is that I still don't know if I have really processed processed it. I think I had done some reading after, right? I learned about grieving, you know, the five steps of grieving um, and all those things. But as as we are continuing to get older, right? I'm 43 or 42, I believe, mm -hmm. you know, the importance, and I always talk about this on the podcast, the importance of us making sure that we are staying healthy and we're doing the work on ourselves, whatever that looks like. And so I had to ask you because um, that is incredibly heavy. Like the fact that you lost your mom at 12, and my mother was my best friend too. Like, I get it. Like, you know, so my heart breaks. I, I shouldn't say that. I have sympathy. I get that. I feel, I, I understand what you've gone through. I was obviously I was a little older. All right. So pick it up. So yeah, you lost your mom when you were 12. Yeah. So let's talk about homosexuality. Well, hold so, on. No, no, I, well, did you, did you jump right into homosexuality after 12? Well, no. Well, well tell me gonna, more about your upbringing. Well, so what I was going to say was that, so it just goes right to homosexuality. Right. <laughs> so, so I guess I did. So I guess, so I guess, so I guess let me parse that out. So for I me, love you. You're funny. So, so my mom died when I was 12. So 12 years old was in middle school. Uh -huh. That was also around the time when I started to be involved with social activities in school. Mm -hmm. That's when I started being a part of like choir mm -hmm. and started uh, wrestling and playing football. And Wait, so, so you, you wrestled and, yeah. and football and choir. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So yeah, usually was, those, those three don't usually mix on the campus. You know well, I mean? there was a lot of negotiation with like rehearsals and that's uh, <laughs> theater. Yeah. That's something, that's something else. Well, um, the choir used to have to rehearse, choir, right? I guess we did yeah. have rehearsal choir too. So there was a lot of negotiation, but, um, but um, that's, really around the time that I started realizing that there was some sort of attraction towards guys. I mean, I remember kind of thinking about like my teachers and there was this one, I remember my teacher in fifth grade, uh, Mr. Tolford, I love you. Um, <laughs> and so, but I remember that, um, he was just this large dude. He was tall, large glasses, super nerdy, but had this big solid body. And I remember, thinking having special feelings about this this teacher um you could see him envisioning it right now oh <laughs> yes yes it clean, was clean it up no I'm just it's kidding. it's deeply implanted in my brain so i so um but uh what football did and wrestling is that now you're in now i'm in close contact with other boys my age yeah. and i have to touch them it's like wrestling the point the way you win a match is by literally pinning them to the ground mm -hmm. or by having enough points with jostling and positioning to win the match but you have to touch them so there was a lot of grabbing and touching in mm -hmm. middle school and here i'm a young boy learning about you know masturbation learning about me liking boys and 
getting very excited about that loving mm-hmm. competition but also being really confused about what does this mean am i wrong bring your mic back just a little bit for me okay there we go Th- thinking am i is something wrong with me am i bad to like these things mm-hmm. and so i hit all those things of course i didn't tell anybody no one knew uh, people may have presumed but no one ever deep no one else I don't no think anybody pre- presumed. I mean, you don't no. read as as, as offended. <laughs> well, I, pre- well, I appreciate that. No, no one. Um, I was never confronted mm-hmm. by any of my friends, or no one directly asked me if I was gay. Um, well, you still kinda, weren't sure. You yeah, still, still were learning it. Yeah, I still wasn't. I didn't know the terminology. Uh-huh. I I had heard the term gay, and I think I thought I knew it was a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it wasn't really until high school when I got involved with specifically show choir, which is like the flashy singing, <laughs> dancing choir people. And then now I'm around. You found your people. Oh, yes. I was Dorothy and Wiz, you know, when I think of home. You know. Were you really Dorothy? No, 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 no. That's, oh. Just thinking about Dorothy and being yeah. home. That's yeah. kind of how I felt with being involved with this kind of show choir singing dancing uh-huh. troupe and then from there i found theater so now i'm a part of this high school community of really weird kids theater kids you know Colorful. gay super eccentric kids and so um but no one was still openly gay in high school so but i had a feeling that i was not alone so that helped me to feel a little bit more comfortable knowing okay I know that I'm not the only guy that is attracted to other guys. Mm-hmm. And so um, it wasn't until the musical Rent in 1996 uh, was when it premiered on Broadway. And that musical, of course, is super gay. You know, there are, you know, drag queens in there. There are there are same-sex relationships in there, mm-hmm. uh, like uh, uh, with people of color, black and brown people. Um, the same sex relationship. So for me, I was like, whoa, okay, this is okay. I, I'm not a freak, you know, um, these, there's a whole Broadway musical that's, you know, devoted to this and, you know, the tragedies of HIV and AIDS. So then, uh, comes my senior year of high school. And this is when I tell people that I didn't come out. I was found out. Mm -hmm. So. The short version is that don't I don't want the short version. Oh, okay. I'll give you. I'll give you the long <laughs> we, version. We still have like forty something minutes. No, I'll give. Okay, the long version. So, um, when I turned eighteen, um, that I decided to go by the book, I guess. But in every major city, you had at least in the late nineties these arts papers, you know listings of like you know uh bands that are in town mm-hmm. theater art galleries that kind of thing but of course in the back that's where all this sex stuff is you know where you have the one 900 numbers you had the you know the call you know um the 976 numbers uh-huh. you could call personal like ads uh-huh. 399 a minute those kind of things so i started dabbling and calling those numbers you know these paid numbers and then of course my grandmother would get the the bill and ask like who called this number i would blame it on one of my cousins so uh i never got in trouble but um i started calling these ads listening to guys asking me you know what do i look like what am i into just kind of dabbling into this Mm -hmm. kind of 
So this is in your this is in your senior year. Senior of high school. Okay, but you still hadn't hooked up with a guy. You still haven't touched a boy. Were you were you were you are you any interested in girls in high school? Did you have a beard or interesting about that? I um I I dated one girl in high school and she was kind of thrust upon me at Mm -hmm. uh the homecoming dance. (laughs) I remember so we had mutual friends and (laughs) and um there's this girl who um, I found out she liked me mm-hmm. and a mutual friend of our mutual uh, girlfriend of ours came over to me and said, Michael, this girl likes you. Do you mm-hmm. like her? This all happened at the homecoming dance when I went just like by myself. And I was like, yeah, I think she's cool. I like her. And so I guess that was like the invitation for them to say, oh, well, he says he likes you. Mm-hmm. You two should date. But you had never experimented sexually with girls? No, or... I'd never. Okay. I'd never experimented. No, sexually, I had never done anything. So what happens after the 900 number? Because, yeah. Right. So what take happens. Us into, take us into your college years. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, so I was going to say, in terms of the finding out thing, what, so I ended up, there's a, I think it's still around, but there was a subscription service called, um, Oh, geez. What was the name of it? Um, Don't worry about the details. Just just tell it. Yeah. Get to the, yeah. Give us the goods. Yeah. Yeah. So basically what happened is that um, this call number that I would call, you could, you could listen to, it's like a dating service. It was like a phone call. We remember them. Gay men remember them well. Yes. So that's how, um, so that's how basically my best friend from high school found out I was gay. Uh So I basically listened to a bunch of these voicemails and guys saying who they are and what they're into. I left a voicemail for someone and it just so happened to be my best friend from high school Mm -hmm. who used an alias. And I had no idea. I didn't recognize his voice so the next day in high school um he's up next to me trying to figure out like asking me you know michael do you know this guy named chris he's a sophomore at ohio state university he studies psychology and i'm freaking out because i don't i know who he's talking about Mm -hmm. and he finally just says you left a message for me i now i know you're gay i'm gay let's go out to the bars together uh-huh. so um that's how i was found out gotcha that's how i came out in high school mm-hmm. so we started going to you came out to one person and you still kind of kept it quiet slowly but surely Which i came right out to our to close it. friend circle yeah. but yeah. everyone didn't know so this was eight this was senior year senior year of high school okay yeah, senior of high school i came out senior of high school then let's get to college so then mm-hmm. i go to college at the university of cincinnati which is an hour and a half away. Um, and within a month of my freshman year of high school, or college, sorry, uh, a month between my freshman year of high sc- uh, college, I ended up getting kind of hooked into this Christian cult. This And this is what yeah. piqued my interest when we first met over the Zoom call. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so go ahead. Yeah, here we go. Yeah, so... I went down to university by myself. I chose Cincinnati because it's um, there's a great music school there. They have a great. Had you been raised in the church? Kind of. I mean, I think being black in the United States, there's always this kind of connection to foundational. Baptist, Baptist, yeah, yeah, it's like yeah. so. I went to church every once in a while, mm-hmm. and it wasn't even they weren't even specific denomination denominations. Like sometimes. Um, we would go to, I think, like a uh, one of those AME Zion uh-huh. churches. Sometimes it would be like a Baptist church. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes it would be like a Methodist church. Sometimes it would be... So what called you to this Christian cult group? So the reason why I went... So I was 
in college by myself as a freshman, no friends. I didn't know anybody. And this cute boy walks up to me like in the quad as uh -huh. I'm walking in between classes. And he walks up to him and he's like, hey, how you doing? I don't know your name, but I just, I'm a part of this Christian church group and I want to see if you're interested in coming out to church. And so I wasn't interested in church, but he was a good looking guy. Right. <laughs> I was so in my mind I was thinking, well maybe you and I can hang out, you know, and I didn't know if he was gay or not. Yeah. So but for me it was me just going along. Right. If you go to church, I'm gonna go to church. Uh -huh. So that's basically what it and was. And you found a friend, somebody who took yeah. interest in you. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah, you know, and so we exchanged numbers and then he picked me up from my dorm. We went to this church, the downtown convention center, Cincinnati. And the church really impressed me because there were over a thousand people, but the um, black and brown people and, you know, white people were there. And, but the leader of the church was a guy from Laos. So mm. I'd never seen this, not, and they were like a non-denominational church. And I'd never seen a, a church leader who wasn't black or white. Mm -hmm. And so that really impressed me. The music was really good. A lot of the musicians were from the Conservatory of Music in Cincinnati. Mm. So I got to talk to them after the church service about music because I was interested in theater. So they found ways to kind of appeal to my interests. Mm -hmm. And then afterwards we would have lunch and then we would go like what they call study the Bible. Mm -hmm. So then we would meet like one-on-one -on -one, or uh, there'd be two of them and just me, we'd read these passages and you know, I'd never read the Bible before. I wasn't really religious. Um, but then that's when they slowly started implementing these, like they started showing me uh, the, the passages about like how homosexuality is bad, like mm -hmm. old Testament. Mm -hmm. passages and then some new testament things now for me i'd never read any of that stuff so for me i was kind of blown away that this i found out later was like the new revised version i guess mm -hmm. uh had like the word homosexual in there and like it was bad and you're going to hell and so that really shook me mm -hmm. um because i you believe what I you did, were reading yeah i i really was like oh my god i I did. I never knew like the Bible said this, all of these bad things about being gay. Mm -hmm. So then they confronted me about it and they, you know, I said, yes, I'm gay. Cause I just came out, you know? And then I had to, I had like a crisis, you know, I was in this university all by myself. Didn't have any friends, yeah. um, no family, uh, no friends except for these random people I met at church. Uh, and so I had to kind of figure out what, it, do I want to go back in the closet? Like, am I going to hell? Do I believe in that? So I just kind of believed all of it. So I just kind of, you surrendered to it. Yeah. I was just like, well, I, I guess I, I, I guess I don't I'm not know there? how I'm Yeah. I guess I'm no, I don't know how I'm going to live the rest of my life, but mm -hmm. like, I can't be gay. So then I called my old friends from high school and I said, I'm sorry, you know, I came out as gay, but I'm, I'm not gay. Wow. And they were like, whoa, what the, um, can we cuss on you? I don't know. Yeah. If we're allowed. Okay. I don't, you can. Okay. Okay. Well, they, I you know they were basically like, what the fuck is happening? Yeah. You know? And so I was just like, I, I'm sorry. I can't talk to you anymore. So I basically cut them off. They kept trying to call me. I wouldn't answer their phone calls. And so I cut off everyone that I knew, mm -hmm. um, except for my grandmother who was super happy that I was this like 
Christian, you found know, Jesus. Yeah. So, so she was, she was like super happy. You right. know? She was like, I got a little deacon as a grandson. Mm -hmm. He's going to be a Baptist minister. So she was super happy mm -hmm. about this. Um, everyone else was like, what is going on with you? And I lived that way my entire undergrad career. So all four years. And then because of kind of my musical kind of attributes, the leader of that church um, asked me if I would go with 19 other people up to the city of Toledo to help start another church. Mm. So they basically were trying to plant this type of church all over mm -hmm. like the world, mm -hmm. which is what I found out later on. It's a international they're, they're, what I found out is they're called the International Churches of Christ, the okay. ICOC. And uh, I found out, of course, after all of this, that they were a cult. They were, they had all of these really. They're classified as a cult? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so they were on ABC News. I think Dateline interviewed some of the leaders. I mean, I'm sure you can find YouTube videos yeah. of the ICOC and just all of this stuff. Mm -hmm. So, um, so let me ask so, you a couple of questions. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> My first question is. Did this experience, were there signs of it being a cult in the experience? Were people mean to you? Were they, did they put hands on you? Was it kind of like Scientology? Were there anything like that? Or were you able to, were you still free to be you? Did you have options and choices? Like so, what made it a cult? Right. So, okay. So what I found out, so one, they highly discouraged having any other friends outside of the church. Okay. That's definitely so, a cult. So, uh, and in addition to that, um, they specifically because I was like a single guy, they didn't make us, but it was highly recommended that we would go on these platonic dates with the other women oh, in the church. Okay. So it was kind of like, so there were other single women in the church and the, the basic premise was we don't want these single women to be at home on a Saturday night or by themselves. You as a brother, as a Christian brother, need to encourage these sisters mm -hmm. by going on a date with them. And it was presented well. Like, wh why would you, what's the harm in that? Yeah, and I was like, yeah, and I was mm -hmm. fine. But, the, well, but one of the biggest issues uh, was that my studies like plummeted. Mm. So I barely graduated with like a, it was like a 2.03. Or because you were so focused in the church. But yes. So the church really discouraged me from studying too much. And so there were so many other or studying enough to be able to at least to get, get a 3.5. Yeah. yeah. To, to, you know? yeah. yeah. I mean, I barely graduated. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so there was, so yeah, so there's that component where I didn't have a lot of free time, like me having free time was considered, um, I needed to use my time wisely uh -huh. with helping people, other people in the church, church move. related. Yeah. So yeah. I didn't really have time to myself. Mm -hmm. Um, and of course, in terms of dating, I'm, I am gay, but mm -hmm. I had to go back in the closet. That was something that everyone in the church knew. And see, this that's was, this was an open secret. Everyone, so everyone. That's I, my second question for yeah. you. As far as you having to go back in the closet, tell me a bit about that repression. What did that do to you? Did it mess with your health? Did it mess with you looking in the mirror? Tell tell me a bit about that. Yeah, it really. It I I don't really remember it affecting my health very much, but uh -huh. mentally it really messed me up How because so? I just, because I just didn't know, you know, it's like, you, you don't know who you are. You know, it's, it, it's interesting. I can only compare it to like a, um, uh, like a, a, like a battered spouse. You know, when I hear stories about people who have earned domestic 
partner relationships mm -hmm. um, or uh, there's some sort of domestic violence happening mm -hmm. and hearing the victim talk about how they couldn't, they could leave, they physically could leave if they wanted to, but they just mentally, they were kind of drawn into this oppressor um, by like them always saying nice to thing, uh, nice things to them, mm -hmm. uh, but uh, uh, but then turning around and saying negative things. So there's this emotional kind of push and pull manipulation. And you don't really know who, like, you don't have a firm ground to stand on. You know, a firm meaning as to who you are. Yeah, like my own yeah. my own ideology. You mm -hmm. know, because my ideology is supposed to be wrapped up in this book, this Bible. Mm -hmm. So the the church really. Um, wanted us to, if we had any problems in life, we were supposed to figure it out through this book. Mm -hmm. So I just didn't know who I was. I didn't know, I, I didn't have a firm ground. I didn't know, I didn't, I thought I was confident, but uh, I, I had all of these people who were the leaders of the churches saying that I needed to be a better Christian. I needed to go on these dates. I needed to, um, you know, I couldn't, I didn't have social time to myself. Mm -hmm. I couldn't have friends outside of the church. Um, you know, even, um, even my roommate situation, I had to live with people in the church. I couldn't have my own apartment. I couldn't live with someone who wasn't in the church. Mm -hmm. So, um, of course I had to give money every Sunday, even though I was a poor college student, I had to take some, I took some of my loan money and would give it to the church because I had to tithe or whatever. So when did you finally leave the church so and that, get back to doing you? Yeah, so that happened um, a couple years after I moved up to Toledo. So you so, did go to Toledo to go open up the, the next, the, next yep. the new church? Yep, so I ended up doing that. Uh -huh. um, instead of, I did that actually instead of, I got accepted to a musical theater uh, conservatory in New York City, and I chose not to go to New York City and pursue theater, but to instead go to Toledo and start this church, mm -hmm. this small little church. So because the church, instead of it being a thousand in Cincinnati, now there's only 20 of us, each of us has kind of more responsibility. Oh yeah. So what that also meant is that just more pressure. Mm -hmm. So and more, less time for school. So I was continually like that, um, like I mentioned before, how my friend from high school found out that I was gay, that like that 1-800 line. And so I did that up in Toledo and I started hooking up with guys. Oh. So, so this so is where you started time, to live a double life. Yes. This is when I started actually having sex. So the wow. first time I actually had sex ever with anyone was when I was 21 years old. Yeah. And that was when um, I was back then I was actually a... Um, I was a, it was in between my junior and senior year of, of college. So I was still in so Cincinnati. So you lost your virginity at 21? 21. Wow. Yep. 21. Okay. And so. Let uh, me interrupt you real quick. Go ahead. So I know for me in my preteens, there was a lot of pressure to have sex through my peers and my peer group. Nobody pressured you to have sex. That wasn't part of your high school experience. You know, it's interesting. No, not really. Mm -hmm. I think I never really, I, I didn't really have that. Um, yeah. and I'm not really sure why I don't really know why um, I went to a predominantly white high school so mm -hmm. I was one of the few black people the majority of black people that went to this suburban high school were from my hometown of, I say I'm from Columbus but that's a lie I'm actually from 
Urban Crest, Ohio. Oh, so you're from a suburb. Yeah, well, it's, I call it a ghetto burb. So, um, <laughs> oh, I'm definitely writing yeah, that down. So, yeah, so I'm actually from, so Urban Crest is literally just a mile south of Columbus. So okay. it is closely tied. But Urban Crest is a small little urban town mm-hmm. um, village. It's actually the village of Urban Crest. Um, that is a that back then was a predominantly black town. So the black kids all went to the white schools, suburban schools of Columbus. So was that weird, or you, it was it was normal? I, it was normal to me. You weren't like I was just I was just used to it. Nobody was mean know? to you. Nobody was the, the yeah. N word wasn't dropped daily. It wasn't. You know what? It wasn't. Maybe behind my back, but I think also one of the things I think that I, so I'm one of the, I was I was one of the good black guys for white people mm-hmm. because I spoke in complete sentences. Mm-hmm. You know, I wasn't a rebel rouser. I wasn't like, you know, uh, trying to, I don't know, I wasn't skipping school. Mm-hmm. I wasn't violent. So the white people saw me as the good one. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm the good Negro, you know? So I think, so I was welcoming into their homes. Mm-hmm. And so, and because I was in, you know, I was well-liked throughout school. Um, I mean, the good. School, so you were popular. I, yeah, I would say I, I wasn't in like the, a group, but right? Definitely in the. But B you group. were known, and people definitely, oh yeah, respected people, you. Okay, oh yeah, that's for, sure. for me. That's I, I think sometimes yeah. when I hear people's backstory, that's part of the nuance of what I want to capture. Is like, what was your childhood and what was your experience? Were you confident? Were you supported? And it sounds like you kind of were. It yeah. sounds like you had a really good upbringing. For, you know. Yeah, I felt really supported. Like I wasn't in terms of, um, like in terms of being bullied. Uh-huh. Honestly, I wasn't really bullied at all. Yeah, well, I wouldn't bully you. I wasn't. I just wasn't one of those. Did you kids. bully? No, I don't. You know, it's interesting. I don't think I did. You probably didn't. Didn't know it. I probably did, yeah. but didn't know it. Yeah, I learned I, that I did, yeah, and I think yeah. Yeah, I probably did know it, but I had to really think about it. Let me take you back back to your childhood, real yeah, quick. Yeah, sure. After your mother passed away, your dad was a single father. Yeah. How did he cope? Did he, did he feel, was there a new woman coming into his life? Did the mother role fill in quickly? How did you two kind of move through that together? So we, so, so my mom and dad never got married. Okay. So, um, I always lived with my grandmother and my mom. So the three of us lived in a home by ourselves. Uh And then my dad, he had kind of girlfriends kind of off and on. So, my, so I'm, I keep interrupting him, and I'm so no, sorry. No, 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 no. So this no, is no. why when you say that you told your grandmother that, that you found Jesus, your grandmother fell into the role of your mother quite quickly. Yes. Understood. Yes. Yep. Okay. Yeah. And so my, so. Because um, I was picturing just you and your dad at home. Oh, gotcha. Okay, gotcha. So yeah, so yeah, so the picture is that my grandmother, mom, and I were at, we had a space by ourselves. Mm-hmm. My dad um, would have girlfriends off and on. Mm-hmm. And so when my mom died, my, I don't know how my dad processed it. I don't mm-hmm. know. Um, you have half the, siblings, do you? I, I'm an only child. You have no half siblings. Your father had no other kids. I am the only. I'm his only child. He said and it he like is, six times. Is, Are he, you sure you're an only child? Just no. He, well, my, well, my dad is really proud of that. Every <laughs> time he sees me, he's like, "You're my only one." All these, all my boys, all my boys got six it's or seven. Because look, you're my, my dad. You look. I know fence pops, but you know, my, a lot of my uncles are. You know, they, they was, you know, several kids. That was just kind of what brothers. Yeah. Were. A lot of, and white people. A lot of people did. Yeah, I am his only. Whoa. Still, even today, I'm his only one. So he is so proud of that. I don't so know why I'm the thumbs up, but go ahead. He's so <laughs> proud of that. Yeah, and I think because um, I think also he doesn't want any more kids. Yeah. you know. Um, mm-hmm. So that's kind of how we're the same. <laughs> mm-hmm. But um, so yeah, so I don't know how we process my mom dying. Mm-hmm. Um, the women that came into his life, they they didn't try to 
take the mm -hmm. mother role. They kind of knew their place. And you had your grandma. Yeah. Well, and I think also my dad, I think he also let these women in his life recognize that they are not to try to be uh -huh. mom. Yeah. You know, my dad is like, you know, Michael has one mom. He, there's no other mom. That's mm -hmm. the only one. So, um, so yeah, I don't know how we processed it. Um, and so whenever I would spend time with him, um, we never really talked about her. Mm -hmm. We would mention her, um, with him and his friends. Mm -hmm. Uh, but, uh, we would never, go deep into it and we just kind of did our own thing we checked we had we kind of formed our own our own bond our own mm -hmm. friendship good you know? good yeah are you guys still close to today yeah. i wish we were closer mm -hmm. um we're not and it's i think it's on both of our parts i mean for me i there's a lot of times i'm really just closed off emotionally mm -hmm. you know and so a lot of it is trust issues. And so with him, I didn't trust him growing up. And a lot of that was the feedback from my mom telling yeah. me yeah. that my dad is bad. So that's one of the reasons why they never stayed together, why they never got married. My mom just thought he was kind of a bad guy and kind of a, she thought he was kind of a player, mm -hmm. you know, all these women around playing around and she wanted like this one relationship very common story so i think so she me living with my mom her always saying okay you can spend time with your dad but you know he's a but. bad but he's a bad man always don't a listen but. don't listen yeah. to what he says so i had this kind of negative well what's your assessment now of him is he a bad dude now that you've known him your whole life you know what i think no i think he's awesome yeah yeah and i think it was just my mom's insecurity well and you can't blame her no, no, no. <laughs> you know what I no. mean? Well, she was young. She was 14 years old when she had me. Yeah. He was probably, I think he's 15. He's only 15 years older than me. Wow. So I can imagine them in high school. I think yeah. they broke up pretty soon mm -hmm. after I was born. Mm -hmm. So I can imagine both of their emotions running high. You're in high school, drama, teen angst, you know. She's like, he's a bad man. Stay totally. away from him in high school. Yeah. So I, I don't blame her at all. You know, I think we just, we have our own trauma that we bring into the world, you yeah. know. Yeah. And so, but yeah, I don't think he's bad at all good. i think he's he's a good man just trying to live his life you know yeah. he's one of he's like you know his, his house was completely um uh paid for mm -hmm. he uh he works for the honda plant in a small town north of columbus ohio mm -hmm. um he's a part of a, a motorcycle club mm -hmm. called heavy metal an all black motorcycle club wow which is part of where the leather comes into which we may talk about leather later okay but he he's a great man he's a really great man and i would love to spend more time with him i'm so glad that i asked that question you know because sometimes you have to hear yourself say things out loud and um for me like i didn't have any resentments for my father growing up i didn't know him but i just didn't have any resentments and so even now i have to reevaluate and so i think you just reevaluated too so i'm glad your dad's a good dude my dad's yeah. a good dude too yeah. yeah there's just people we're just trying to live our lives right you know? yeah. we all make mistakes right you know? I, I, that's what it is yeah so, so when you're so in terms of um how did i come out of this church craziness mm -hmm. so yeah. so yeah get um, me back on track thank you no you're you're fine <laughs> i mean i'm trying i'm trying to forget i will ramble i will totally ramble so uh well i so, love it you've got so much to, so much to say go ahead so so what happened was that i was getting disillusioned with the church and with a number of these guys that i was hooking up with anonymously having bareback sex, all the things, you know, that you're not supposed to do. Guys who are, you know, IV drug users, I would still be wow. having say, oh yeah. So hold on, hold on. So knowing that you had risk coming with your sexual behavior, was the risk like part of the temptation? Yes. Because you knew better. Yes. Part of it was, part of it was, I was white knuckling my homosexuality so much that I just didn't you dove care. Right in. Yeah. I didn't care. I was like, 
I know this. I was like, I know I should be wearing condoms. I don't know this random. I don't even know their names. Yeah. I would go into, you know, I'd meet up a guy and show up at his house at night and he'd be, you know. Uh-huh, we get it. Yes. So I just, it was, for me, I just didn't care. Mm-hmm. I just didn't, I just didn't care, you know. And so I, I'm still HIV negative today. I don't. Congratulations. Know. I have no idea. You got lucky. The universe, man. The universe. You got so, lucky. Did you, att- do you, att- do you connect a lot of that with self-love? Are you just not loving yourself during that time? Right. I did not love myself. That's what it is. So a number of the guys that I would meet would, they were openly gay. Mm-hmm. And so I remember one time specifically in Columbus, Ohio, I remember um, having sex with this one guy. And then afterwards I started crying and he, of course, asked, like, did I do something wrong? Or what, are you okay? And it all kind of came out. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm in this church and they hate me and I hate myself and I don't know what, I don't know who I am. And this guy was like, well, I'm openly gay and I'm a Christian and I'm fine. I'm, I think you're fine too. And so he's like, you just kind of have to find a way out of this church. This church is not doing anything for you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you don't feel good about yourself. You can, you can love yourself. You're, you're a human being, you know? And so you broke down in front of the right person. Yeah. Yeah. And so that really got me thinking. So, um, then I began thinking, I, what I did was I started journaling. Mm-hmm. So I started, um, uh, I still have the book to this day. I still have the journal. Mm. Um, I started journaling about just asking questions like, who is God? Who am I? Do I, wh- what does it mean to be gay? Um, is it okay? What if I leave the church? Is that okay? Will God still love me? Is this the only church? What, what do I have to be involved with religion at all? Mm-hmm. And all those questions started me down this road of like, you know what? Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to test. I'm going to test God right now. So for one month, I'm going to leave the church. So that's what I did. So I just cold. I just, um, decided to leave the church for one month. I didn't, um, answer anyone's phone calls. Um, I didn't, I wanted to leave cause I wanted to see if all the things they said were true, which is if you leave the church, I'm going to start drinking. Why a month? Start- I, it was random. It gotcha. was just a random, obscure timeline. That's an interesting increment of time. Yeah. 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 I just chose one. Yeah. But obviously so, it, would, it wasn't a month. Uh, I, I can't or, remember. Or was it a month and did I, you go back? I'll let you finish. Sorry. I can't remember how. I think it was a month. Uh, I, I can't really remember. So I so I said, okay, I'm going to give myself a month and try to figure this out. And so um, what I realized after, and this was during um, the summer. So I had lots of time to spend time in parks at reading and writing and stuff. And I realized that after a month, I actually didn't want to have sex. I didn't want to have random anonymous sex anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't really want to go to the bars anymore. I didn't really want to drink anymore because I was drinking a little bit more. Um, And I just, I just didn't want to do all of the bad heathen-y things that uh, the church said was going to happen if I leave. And that was when like a light bulb came in my head like something something's up here Mm -hmm. something something's wrong and that's when i planned my exit strategy which was since i was still living up in toledo and i loved theater i said i need to do theater that's when i decided to audition for another college nearby's the uh, musical theater program 
get involved with the school. So what that also meant was I would be away from the church. I'd be around theater kids. Mm -hmm. I'd be learning my craft. Back and where then, you were before you fell into this. Yeah. And then after I finished school, um, I actually decided to go to school only for a year because I was over it. I was, mm -hmm. I wanted to get kind of out of the church space. So after a year of learning, taking acting classes, singing, dancing, I started auditioning for local theater companies in different states nearby. And my very first audition, I booked a six month gig in Indiana doing uh, three different shows, which meant I had to leave, mm -hmm. you know? So I told the church leaders, hey, um, you know, not only am I enrolled in the school, but I auditioned for some theater companies. Now I get to be a paid professional actor. Yeah, I get to this go is my dream. My life. Yeah, and they're like, okay, but um, just make sure you're okay. We'll check up on you. And they basically, the, the ties slowly went away because mm -hmm. they had their own priorities. Mm -hmm. So what slowly happened is that since I was moved, removed from that space, I think I began to slowly heal myself. I began to fulfill my first passion, which was theater. And that's kind of how I slowly got out of the church. And this is still in your late twenties. This was when I was yeah, 25. Yeah. Like so, 25. so 25, then you were able to shut the door on that, on that part yep. of your life. Yep. Um, all right. So now you, so, okay. So some 25, let's, let's move forward a little bit because I want to start to hear a little bit about you know, you have this presence about you where you seem to be quite centered, right? You seem to be, you know, you're definitely in a space of self-love now. So I want you to talk a bit about some of the things that you do um, that keep you in that space. What is it? And, so, and, I, and I include that because we've got about 10 minutes left. So I want to, no, sure. I, 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 this is something that's always important for viewers and listeners is I want to hear how you, how you make your magic. Sure. For me, um, what I've realized is that I am my own best friend, you know? And just like Lizzo says, you know, I have my own soulmate. I really believe that. Mm -hmm. What I've realized is that um, no one else can make me happy. Um, there is a hole and I'm all about self-love and like learning about myself. So the things that I do are pretty simple. Um, now that I live here in Palm Springs, I take walks, I go on hikes by myself no one else is around me. Mm -hmm. Um, I may listen to a podcast, maybe listen to music, but it's really just me being in my own space, enjoying my own time. Mm -hmm. And so we find so many ways to fill the void through food, sex, drugs, alcohol through other relationships relying on other people yeah, our job yeah. working 60 hours a week at our job mm -hmm. we find these all these other pieces that um that we're trying to fill because we're afraid of the silence yeah. you know and um, one of my favorite lines from one of my favorite albums is from Alanis Morissette's Jagged Little Pill, mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> where she says, "We all know um, it all too well." Are you, yeah, she says, "You know, are you are you petrified of silence? Here, can you handle this?" Uh -huh. And then there's like three seconds where there's no sound, right. <laughs> and I love it. I'm like, yes. Are we petrified of silence? Why are we so afraid to be? alone yeah. with nothing with just ourselves mm -hmm. so for me i i love just being so um walks really help with that because i'm surrounded by beautiful mountains yeah um i find things that also that i enjoy you know um like i, I love theater so i'm obsessed with 
musicals and all that kind of stuff. And now with my career, actually, as a, as a licensed massage therapist, one of the things that helps to calm me is by doing my work. You know, being able to touch people, especially now in 2020, there's something with hearing the spa music and the exchange of energy with the people that I work on. There's something really calming about that. Wow. Yeah, it's really it's really kind of a meditative state being able to be in a room where no one's talking and but you're still physically touching someone. Mm -hmm. um, there's something for me that helps to kind of to calm me down as well. Interesting because, you know, obviously we know theater and music is the things that you're very passionate about and you spend a lot of your time, you know, immersed in that. And now it seems like you have the same passion for license or for massage therapy. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's something that I, I never, you know, massage or something that, um, I found out on, I, I thought about doing, um, kind of on a whim. Mm -hmm. Um, but it wasn't until honestly the first day of class when I started learning about, uh, in my anatomy class, when I learned about cells and mitochondria and ribosomes. I was mm -hmm. like, Oh, Michael, you, you a nerd. I'm a nerd. You know, I love this stuff. And then through that, I learned about the power of touch. You know, okay. I have people that come see me that who they don't have any aches and pains, their aches and pains are in their brain. So they really just need someone to physically touch them yeah you know and especially and with what we're going through now absolutely i feel like it's so important there's this idea called skin hunger which is a crazy term but it's skin, pretty specific it is yeah but skin hunger is this idea that we are de we're depriving um our skin of something that it needs which is communication yeah you know i've felt that i you know i remember there's you know a stretch of time in my life where i wasn't getting the affection i needed and it was like it was freaking me out I can yeah, feel it. Absolutely. Know? It's kind of like it's the reason why they have the shoe or the hole in prison. You isolate someone, you know, for 30 days or whatever, and that it takes a toll on you mentally. Yeah, that's a good example. When they come out of that, it's like any TV show or movie where you see someone come out of that, you know, they're just kind of disillusioned. They don't they they don't know really who they are anymore and mm -hmm. i feel like that is something unfortunately that may be getting to happen mm -hmm. with COVID. so my job and being able to touch people really helps i think censor them but it also centers me mm -hmm. are you finding this is just a random sh question all of my questions are random but are you finding that people are uh you still have clients are people nervous with COVID and massage or what well they are nervous with COVID, so i tell people i know you get tested weekly you said i get tested weekly yep i go up to dhs i get tested every i got tested today so mm -hmm. it's every tuesday is when i get tested and um so i do that for my and for their peace of mind mm -hmm. um i require masks i wear a mask the entire time um i don't require my clients to wear a mask um but i do take their temperature at the door i have a fancy you know touchless thermal yeah thermometer. i also have well wow, you do a lot yeah well then i in addition to that I also because it's an enclosed space i have the hipaa filter which helps to uh every 12 minutes it brings in completely new air so five times every hour there's completely new air in the room which also helps to ease people's anxiety i wonder if other massage therapists are doing what you're doing because this is another example of things that i know i like massage therapy some people like to go get pedicures another thing that we're kind of missing i mean this is a first world right. problem you know what i mean i'm right, not gonna rub right. myself but right. um not that way 
But um, this is real. This I just I'm curious. That's a curious question because uh, you know, we're all again the word pivot is so popular, but we all have to kind of rise to the occasion. Like, what are we doing? Yeah, I'm doing this. You're doing that. You know? Yeah. And I think what's well, I think what people uh, I think the the conversation I feel like is that's not happening. Um, is uh negotiation so mm -hmm. people really negotiating they're they're managing their level of risk you know there's lots of conversations that people have that say okay especially this weekend which is thanksgiving weekend yeah lots of people are going to be um probably spending time with people outside of their covid bubble you yeah. know and so there's lots of conversations about managing risk and i think the the question should be how many people are going to be at these events um, how far away am I from these people? How much time am I going to spend there? Um, what is my PPE? What am I going to wear when I'm there? Mm -hmm. um, what's the setup? Is it going to be outside or inside? Will they have the windows open? All of those questions, I think, will help people to negotiate their own situation. So mm -hmm. I think that's something that people really need to begin to think about versus mm -hmm. it being an all or nothing versus it being I'm staying in my house. I'm not seeing anyone until everyone is completely vaccinated versus every weekend. I'm going to be like at the orgy with a hundred people. I think there needs to be really something in the middle mm -hmm. us choosing what our, what our risks are mm -hmm. um, individually. Yeah. And, and what are you doing for Thanksgiving? Well, I have my own, just out of curiosity. Bible. Yeah. Okay. So I so I actually have a um, a friend of mine that lives a block away from me, mm -hmm. and so he is. So in terms of my COVID bubble, mm -hmm. it's it, he's it. Yeah. He's the only person. I, I have every, su every Sunday we hang out. We've been hanging out every Sunday. So we uh, yeah. So he's going to cook food. I'm not a cook. I mm -hmm. cook eggs in a microwave. But uh, that's about it. So he's going to cook. Uh, he's going to grill some lobster. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm sorry. You're supposed to be having turkey. No, no, ma'am. No, ma no. So, um, so he's cooking a lot, and he's he's doing traditional things too. But um, I have no business even asking that. But I oh was just no, curious. please tell me. And so this is going to air after Thanksgiving. Go ahead. Oh, okay. So, so since I can't um, cook, I said let me do dessert. Yeah. So I am buying dessert. Yeah. I'm buying a uh, chocolate peanut butter ice cream pie Ooh. from Coldstone. Okay. All right. Take notes, people. Yeah. Um, so as you know, we're almost out of time. Is there anything that you want to add, right? We, you gave us some kind of direction, which I like, which is listen to what more Alanis Morissette. Skin hunger is important. Self-love, taking hikes, you know, self-reflection, spending time by yourself, mm -hmm. right? Not being yeah. afraid to sit in silence. Yeah. yeah. Um, but is there anything else you want to toss into the conversation before we say goodbye to our beautiful viewers and listeners? Well, I think, so one of the things I want to talk about was me being a part of the leather community, mm -hmm. because one of the things that I love about it is that, um, and my shirt implies consent is, so I have a shirt that says, if you can't read it, it says consent is my foreplay. Mm -hmm. And so, um, essentially consent is really the overarching, uh, mantra of the leather community overall. Mm -hmm. And so what I love about it is that, um, it's a group of people that come from all different walks of life. So these are people who are accountants. They could be garbage truck drivers. They could be, uh, you know, real estate agents. They could be servers. Um, you know, it doesn't really matter who they are, what their profession is or their color of their skin. These are people that come together with the idea that our yes is our yes and our no is our no. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's really important with this, 
we've heard of the Me Too movement, of uh -huh. course. And so in relation to that, there really is a Me Too movement, even within the uh, the queer community overall, which is really kind of respecting each person. And one of the reasons why I love the leather community is that it allows us to be able to kind of exhale, you know, when you walk into like an, a leather event, knowing that the majority of people here have that in their brain, no mm -hmm. matter how much they're drinking or hanging out with people, no, uh, nothing that you don't want to happen is not going to happen. And I, the reason why I want to mention all this is that I think that um, consent is something that we need for ourselves. You know, we really need to give ourselves consent to love ourselves. It's so easy to take care of the fires at our job or our family or our friends. And so making space for ourselves, whatever that means for you, whether it be, you know, lighting candles and mm -hmm. just living your good fantasy in your own head or um you know uh taking that one day where you said i'm going to eat you know this half a pint of ice cream and ne binge netflix for a couple hours you have the license to do that give yourself consent um walking out amongst the mountains taking a hike um uh being able to say no to friends and family who may want your time and your energy. So I like to tie the fam uh, the leather and the consent aspect to the general population saying, give yourself consent, give yourself time to be with yourself. I like that. I like that a lot. Then that's a great kind of um, message to, you know, exit on. And it's true. Self-love for me, as I've learned, especially in my forties is, is the most important thing. Yeah. yeah, it's like Whitney says, like, or whoever, how are you going to love some, yourself if you can't love anybody else? Oh, or, RuPaul. Or I said it backwards, but you get, I said, Whitney, sorry, Whitney. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long day. Um, but again, and on that note, self-love, love yourselves. We always tell you love on each other. We love you. A big thanks to you for being here. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. This is fantastic. I this love fun, it. Right? It's great. I think in general, it's good to have more black people talking. Yeah. Because... We just have, uh, you know, we've been silenced for, you know, a number of years and decades. So the more we have a platform to be able to have people listen to what we have to say, mm -hmm. the better. I like that. Black folks, if you want to speak up, you know how to reach me and white folks as well and everything in between, uh, if that makes sense. Uh, but again, we do love you. Make sure you like us on Facebook and all social media platforms. That's how we're going to continue to keep this going and also share. Have a great day and uh, we'll see you soon. I am absolutely confident that you continue to do your part. Thank you for listening to another episode of Do Your Part. I work at staying awake. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and comment. Stay connected with Brian Gallo through social media at Do Your Part Podcast or visit doyourpartpodcast.com.